You're listening to the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. Now here's your hosts, Kevin, Derek, and Alex. All right, and welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Good Old Boys Fantasy Football Podcast. We are heading in here to week two, week one in the books. I'm Derek, and joined, as always, by your co-hosts, Kevin and Alex. Gentlemen, how we doing? Uh, doing good, man. Uh, first week, like you said, in the books, I think... I think I came through the week at like an 85% clip for week one. So I, I, was, I was pretty happy across all these leagues. Um, hit a little $3 bet that turned into 60 on on underdog by using that pick five uh, that they're doing. That's a sweet little gig right there. Like I, I'm going to be hammering that a lot this year. Um, and I'm probably going to get out over my skis eventually. But uh, <laughs> Hey, but right. you know what? You don't know where the skis end until you find it, right? You gotta find, oh, the, end. Right. You gotta like, find the end of the skis first. Yeah, uh, I'll just you know play a couple of weeks, keep doubling my bankroll up, and then once I get to that spot, like I'm gonna find this, I'm gonna find the right week. And once I find that right week, I I'm going to be aggressive. Go, go and, big or uh, go home, right? Yeah, go big or go home. See if and, I can't make it worth my while here this week. And, and fortunately, if you do that, you'll still have a home to go to. So that'd That's be right. that'd be nice. Right. Um. It was a it was a fun week. Um, the the week was fun. Um, it got started off fun on Saturday. Like that was some, some really really fun college football games that were played on Saturday, and then uh, and then obviously week one of the NFL uh, to see um, uh, the the week of the ACL tear, right? Or not the ACL, the Achilles tear. Um, that was that was what week one will forever be remembered by. Uh, and it's going to be remembered forever because Aaron Rodgers, four plays into his New York Jets career, um, snaps his Achilles, and uh, that sucks. There was a lot of hype going into that, and for that to be, you know, the the result of that, that that flat out sucks. It just sucks. It sucks for the sport of football. It sucks for Jets fans, um, and it sucks for fantasy owners who thought Aaron Rodgers was going to go on another uh, FU tour. Uh, around the NFL this year, um, and uh, and J.K. Dobbins also uh, the oft what what is our health averse uh, J.K. Dobbins that um, that apparently somebody on this show I won't I won't name names but apparently somebody on this show said do not draft J.K. Dobbins because um, he gets injured too much and it's not worth the headache of taking him. And I think it was that, almost that, verbatim what you said, not just that like very same person in the home league drafted J.K. Dobbins in the fifth round, <laughs> and uh, should have listened to his own advice. Uh, you know, sometimes sometimes I get it right. Unfortunately, I was right on this one, and um, that that sucks. Sucks for J.K. Dobbins. Sucks for J.K. Dobbins owners. Um, and uh, yeah, you move on. Yeah, definitely some rough week. Definitely some interesting weeks, right? Like you had the uh, the Chargers, the Dolphins, like just go back and forth, back and forth, fun back game. and forth. Fun game. Um, yeah, that was that was a fun game for fantasy managers as well, right? Like mm-hmm. you have Tyreek having a blow up game, Tua having a blow up game there. Um, Herbert Herbert had a good game. That right, that's just a really good fantasy game, unless you had. The Chargers or the Dolphins defense, in which case it was not the best, but right. Um, yeah, one of the interesting things too when you look at it is um it was the 
it was very much like the guys that you would expect to walk away and the teams you expect to walk away out of week one with victories just didn't, right? Like you would expect the Bills to to have won that game. Yeah, you know, holy especially jo- considering. Yeah, holy Josh Allen turnover is what that turned into, right? Four turnovers from your uh, guy that you know, many people would you know clamor out there saying that he's the he's an MVP candidate year over year over year. Uh, that's a tough break. You had Mahomes lose at home. Like, that's something that doesn't happen. Uh, Joe Burrow loses, and Joe Burrow looks bad doing bad. that too, right? Like, yeah. those Bengals just did not look good. So you had, like, the, you know, the kind of the three top teams, essentially, in the uh, AFC go down losing here in week one. Um, so very interesting kind of opening week there. And then just as we predicted – the, the Rams would run roughshod. Uh, the hey, Raiders... Kevin and I both took the uh, the Seahawks on the with the points uh, <laughs> to cover the points on the Friday show. Yeah, I, I don't know that anybody uh, could have predicted that. And then, of course, uh, you know who is going to replace Cooper Cup? Well, turns out somebody who is going to be the waiver wire darling, right? Like there's Puka no Nakua. Yeah, Puka's going to be. Um, the waiver wire darling, I think this week, and we'll get into, uh, to that stuff. And Derek, I think you've already put out some good waiver wire content, uh, shameless plug, if you will. Yeah, we've, uh, we put out a lot of, uh, a lot of waiver wire and and we'll kind of hit it up quickly, right? Like you can find all of our waiver wire content. Um, yeah, kind of a, a consensus here, uh, amongst us on, on what the, waiver wire looks like and, and who you should be targeting. If you need a position type of deal, you can find those on the TikToks, on the YouTubes, on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the, you know, you name it social, you can find it there. A uh, best place though, just head over to the YouTube channel, click on the shorts and they're the, the latest four shorts that are loaded up there. So two more things about week one uh, and then I'll shut up. Uh, the, the Vikings somehow lose despite Justin Jefferson's bonkers game, and we were talking about that before. Like, how does that happen? The legend uh, of Baker grows. The Steelers forgot that week one was a thing. <laughs> or alternate headline to that, the Niners' defense is filthy. Um, and the Eagles won – but struggled. Uh, I thought that that would be a cakewalk game for them, and boy, was I wrong. Although I know a guy that in the offseason got ridiculed for uh, dealing a first-round draft pick for Mac Jones because he had one quarterback in a Superflex league. That guy was extremely happy on uh, week one there with Mac Jones as like third QB, oh, QB number three overall finish there. Did you comment the- in that league? Did you? I am... I, I yet? like oh I guess the first didn't look so bad for this week. Huh? I really thought about it and just start ribbing that guy because what? So bring everybody behind the curtain in one of these leagues and and the league I'm talking about. I literally traded Kevin the 106 in a rookie draft for Mac Jones and a third. I think like it was it was one of those I I needed a quarterback desperate for quarterback had one quarterback in that league, so I went out made the trade like got myself a second QB and a super flex. And uh, one of our league mates starts ribbing me pretty hard about the fact that I'm, I just gave away a first for Mac. Um, anyway, I, uh, I I think I need to, to hop in that league and and uh, start chirping along that one a little bit. That should be pretty fun. 
Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure through one week of the regular season, he scored like 26 more points than the wide receiver that I took at 106 did. So, and he certainly uh, the other the other quarterback that was in contention there that was you know hotly debated thing back and forth in that league was Daniel Jones. So I'm pretty sure Mac Jones also put up 20 more points than than Daniel Jones did. So bad, bad, bad. Tough, tough weekend for dudes wearing blue at MetLife Stadium. Woo! Tough weekend. Yeah. Yes. So, um, I think before we get into this, we need to remind everyone: don't overreact on one week, mm-hmm. right? Like, right. it's fun having football back. It's great being able to have some talk around the water cooler, and oh my gosh, this was great, or oh my gosh, she was terrible. Like, pump, pump, pump the brakes just a minute here. One week is not going to determine the outcome for your season for the good or for the bad, right? Yes, there's going to be some challenges. Yes, there are plenty. Like, you know, if you had J.K. and Aaron Rodgers on that same roster, you are struggling, right? Like, there are some struggle bus rosters out there right if now. You took, up and if Jonathan you took Kelsey, Taylor and J.K. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, That's know. rough. <laughs> yeah, it was a rough week, so – we can we can help navigate through that. That's what the waiver wires are for. But don't overreact, right? I, I don't think I don't think the Cowboys and Niners defense defenses both are going to be as historic as they looked in Week One. They'll be good, but They'll not be good. But I yeah, don't but think that's... they're going to be like historically good. And I also don't think that you're going to see you know, the Steelers be as absolutely god-awful terrible as they were either, right? Like, things will balance back out. It's one week. Relax. Josh Allen's not going to throw three interceptions every game. Like that And fumble just, another one. And fumble another one. That's just not going to happen. Right. I mean, if it does, boy, boy will I eat crow. <laughs> but. <laughs> yes. uh, and actually, that's, that's the – that is a good reminder there, Kevin, because we uh, yeah, we, we definitely had a few folks trying to take some victory laps on uh, a lot of those player profiles and, and those types of things that we did. And it's, that's a really good reminder, right? Like one week a season does not make. So it's uh it's just a good thing to keep in mind. Uh, same thing too, right? Like we had some calls over the off season and some of that, that like, yeah, if, if week one holds through for another 17 weeks, we're going to look like geniuses. Uh, but there's also a chance that they, they don't go that way as well. So, you know, victory lapping, you might want to wait to, you know, the couple of months to, to really start taking victory laps on some of those calls on that one, or, you know, before you wave the white flag on some of those as well. So uh, always a good thing there. Uh, I feel like we covered quite a bit of the news, the notes, uh, anything else we want to kind of hit up there. I know that there's a ton of things kind of going on with the injuries. Uh, you know, we hit up a few of those, a lot of guys kind of seemingly dealing with either uh, hamstrings uh, that seems to be kind of the other big one out there as well that folks are dealing with. Uh, real quick, and I, I, I didn't bring this up to you guys beforehand, so this will be genuine reaction here. Um, if Zach Wilson struggles, will the Jets go get one of the free agent quarterbacks that is out there? I mean, Colin Kaepernick's team was reaching out saying he's available. He's been available for six years now. And yes, there's I, a I reason no one wants say. him. Like, yeah. I, I, I really wish like... he would go away. Like, so. he has nothing to do with the NFL anymore. Go away. Quit putting yourself in the storyline. Live your life after football. 
you 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 did your thing. The NFL has moved on. Go away. But what I'm what I'm saying here is, will you know? Look, Carson Wentz is still available. You know, Matt Ryan's in a TV booth, but he's not that far removed. There's some other dude who used to wear number twelve that's still out there. Uh, do, do you think the Jets go and at least kick the tires on any of those guys if Zach Wilson doesn't cut it? I am 100% calling Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I am. Like, I think you have I think to at least not try. Wrong. You yeah. have to at least try. Hey, Tom. Hey, uh-huh. buddy. Right. Uh, <laughs> you got a historic defense ready I to know, roll with I it. know that we've, uh, we've shared some good times, and most of it's been you kicking our ass, but uh, – you know, how, how, how'd you like to, you know, play one for the Gipper here and uh, come come salvage us because we just need you to steer the ship. We don't need you to drive the bus. We just need you to steer the ship. We have a great running game. We have a great young receiver. We have a solid tight end. We have a very, very, very good defense. We just don't want you to throw interceptions. Check us out of bad plays and don't throw interceptions. I'm absolutely making the call. Like, it, And it may work, it may not, but I'm absolutely making the call. I want to find out what he says. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think you've got to look and, and see about potentially bringing in a uh, bringing in somebody, if nothing else, to, to have as a second stringer ready to go. Like, yeah, you, you've got to have somebody else there. Um by the way, what was the deal with – I don't know if you guys watched the telecast last night, but Troy Aikman going on and 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 on. And I I, I, I lost count of the number of times that he made mention of the fact that Zach Wilson – yeah, this offense isn't prepared for Zach Wilson. And this isn't Zach Wilson's offense. And, like, he wasn't in the building, in the room, in the quarterback room, wasn't sitting down with the, the offensive coordinator – the quarterback coaches while they were implementing this offense, I get that he was taking second team reps, but come on. Like you, you, well, you've got to have your guy at least somewhat prepared to, to go in there and do that. Like it they're, was they're trying so hard to make that telecast interesting though, because yeah, when that yeah, happened, yeah. you know, Troy and um, Joe Buck, Joe Buck in between commercials, they're going, Holy bleep. Like, we, we completely have to change kind of the flow of this, right? Like we have to talk this kid up to keep people engaged because everyone say- thought the bills were going to blow the doors off the jets when Rogers went down, yes. right? That yes. the, the air went out of the stadium and, and it was just, it was terrible. And the jets defense rose to the occasion to right. keep them. And, and aside from one drive and an amazing touchdown grab from Garrett Wilson win that game. But I think, I think they had to Derek. Like, I don't know that it's Troy Troy Aikman, like has some like odd fascination with, with Zach Wilson. I think it's the fact that they were trying so hard to find content to talk about and they're scraping notes because everything that they had prepared for was Aaron Rodgers And this is what he's done. And Aaron Rodgers, this, Oh, look at these jets and Oh, this back and forth game. And you get Zach Wilson thrown in, like, you go from a shiny classic, right? Aaron Rodgers is a classic. He is a 69 Mustang. Zach Wilson's a Chevy Volt. (laughs) 
you gotta try and talk up the like, oh well shit, I just told him my Mustang, but look at this Volt. Like, isn't this <laughs> fun? And it's brand new and it's shiny. Like, yes, it's like three years old, and yes, but, you know, it looks like it could be hawked for like 50 cents and a piece of gum. But look at this thing, isn't it awesome? Like, that's what he had to do. Aikman's Aikman's point, which is remarkable that it didn't come across this way, but Aikman's point is Nathaniel Hackett was hired because Aaron Rodgers decided to go to the Jets, right? And and Hackett and Rodgers had a ton of success together in Green Bay. Uh, so this the reason that Hackett – I shouldn't say the, the whole reason, but I think a, a major factor in the Hackett being uh, employed by the Jets is because Aaron Rodgers was going to be the quarterback, and they already knew the offense. That's why they brought in an Alan Lazard. That's why they brought – you know. They wanted Randall familiarity, Cobb. yeah, Randall Cobb, because they they didn't want to have to have people learn an entirely new language. I'm sure you guys know this. You know, if you've been around football at all, you know each offense. I I, I look at it like um, like Latin based languages, right? Latin based languages are all basically the same, right? Spanish, French, uh, they all kind of have the same. Uh, concepts, you know, what you might call one thing in Spanish is pretty similar to what it's called in French, but it's not the exact same thing. Well, that's how offenses work, right? So you have an idea of how an NFL offense is going to work, but what one guy might call a hitch, another guy calls something else, a right? A curl, right. And so when you have to learn an entirely new language, because that's what it is, you're learning a new language, uh, it's not easy. Right. Aaron Rodgers didn't have to learn a new language because he already knew the offense that Nathaniel Hackett was going to have. Same with Alan Lazard, same with Randall Cobb. The only person in that quarterback room that had to learn a new language was Zach Wilson. The the offense was not set up for Zach Wilson. The offense was set up for Aaron Rodgers, who has a different skill set than what Zach Wilson does. Uh, Aaron Rodgers can get his team into, you know, whatever play he wants because he's been given that leash because he's that smart um, because he's that good of a quarterback. Zach Wilson, I don't think has that long of a leash. Zach Wilson doesn't have the experience that comes with having played 19 years or 20 years, whatever it is in the NFL. Uh, So that's what I think here I am. I feel gross defending Troy Aikman, Um, but that's a, it's a poor way to get the point across, but that's the point that I believe he was trying to make. Um, And it is his awkward uh, that he couldn't get his point across because I, I saw this stat too uh, with with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman calling that game last night. They just began their 22nd season together calling games. It is the longest of all time. John Madden and Pat Summerall called 21 seasons together. So Aikman and Buck have been working together for 22 seasons. Uh, and so for him to not be able to get his point across is – Weird. <laughs> Should we get into the show? <laughs> that's one. That yep, is that's one. totally one. All right, yeah, let's go ahead and get this thing rocking, get this thing rolling. Uh, comment coming in on YouTube from Devin saying, what's up, fella? Not much. We are just talking some week one, and we're getting ready to head in on, heading on into week two here and some waiver wire here. So we're just going to touch on these guys real quick here. Uh, kind of bring up our top five list at every position and 
if we've got anything that we really want to say about them, let's go ahead and throw those guys out there. But uh, let's go ahead and start with the quarterbacks here. And so quarterbacks, right, week one, waiver wire, guys that you should be looking at would be guys like Jordan Love, obviously. You've got other guys out there like uh, you know Matthew Stafford, uh, Mac Jones, um, you know, any thoughts on, on any of these guys out there? Um, if you, if you're in a 14 team league, right. Or, or deeper, or if you really just waited on quarterback, you loaded up on skill position, maybe you grabbed Rogers late thinking, Hey, they're going to do something. In the jets, you know, Jordan loves a prime target. He, he, he was fluid, right? He looked good. He showed he looked exactly like you wanted him to. You sit for three seasons, you get your opportunity, and you make the most of it. And he did it with Christian Watson being out, Romeo Dobbs being efficient, yet a little hampered, right? And then, unfortunately, Aaron Jones, right, kind of, you know, pulls up a little lame and has to leave. And and they're still able to just continue to dominate the Bears. So uh, – I like Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love is he's a great asset to have in a two quarterback league, or he is a um, he's absolutely a waiver wire guy like, it, that you want to try and pick up, right? If you didn't love the performance that you got, Dak Wilson, uh, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, you know some of these guys who went before. If you're a little worried about it, not so much Joe Burrow, but you know the, in a Pick up Jordan Love. I, he, he's the best out of the list that we're covering. He, he's by far the number one target to go get. He has the highest upside. They have a young team. They're going to run the ball and play good defense, but that sets up a lot of play action. He's not going to turn the ball over a whole heck of a lot, right? Like he has been conditioned. And right, wrong, or indifferent, when you sit behind someone like Aaron Rodgers, you do learn things whether Rodgers is teaching you or not. And one of Roger's greatest attributes is he doesn't turn the ball over, right? No. He, he is a very, very efficient quarterback when it comes to touchdown interception ratio. Like he just doesn't turn it over a whole lot, even for having some of that gunslinger mentality still in him. He just reads defense as well. You have to capture some of that sitting behind him for three years, right? You have to. And I think he showed that week one. So I like love a lot. Yeah, I I would throw – obviously, I think Jordan Love's going to be everyone's top target, but uh, another guy that's out there, we talked about him a little bit earlier, the legend, uh, going up against that same Bears team. Uh, you know, Baker Baker Mayfield's going to be a guy that that is going up against that same Bears team that Jordan Love was able to, uh, to, to conquer. So that's another guy that I think might be worth uh, kicking the tires on. And, and uh, if you need somebody – uh, that's a guy to go get. Yeah. Uh, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, Mac Jones, Sam Howe would be other guys out there as well. Um, to be honest, I think I'd probably, and, and we know how much of a Baker fan I am. I, I think I'd still probably go <laughs> those five guys over Baker on the waiver wire. Hey, but he's got, he's got the bears defense and the bears defense did not look good. I, I know that part of that was Jordan love looked really good, but he's got the bears on the road or at home. I should say, um, it 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 could be a thing, right? All right, Jordan Love at at Atlanta. So you got the road team there, but Atlanta, yeah, 
pretty you know number ten easiest for a quarterback. Uh, Derek Carr going up against Carolina. Uh, what is it? Eighth easiest against quarterbacks there. Mac Jones playing Miami. Fifth easiest against uh, against quarterbacks. Now, granted, all of those defenses, all of those numbers I just read, highly skewed because we have a sample <laughs> size of one. Sample one size week. of one. So uh, take that into consideration. But yes, there's some quarterbacks out there to be had. Um, let's go ahead and hit up the unless we got some other things to think about here on quarterbacks. Okay, ah. moving on to, over to running back. And uh, Stephen, in the in the comments there, I do see your question. We'll get to that one here in just a moment. Um, so for running backs, the way we kind of had that you know, ordered out there, Kenneth Gainwell, Roshan Johnson, Zach Moss, Kyron Williams, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards are kind of how we have the top six there. Any thoughts on that? I, I, uh, I, have, I have thoughts. We'll get to it later in the show. But I think we need to, to pump the brakes on, on Kyron Williams. We'll so, get to that later in the show. I I think that the Ravens are going to become a three-headed monster at mm-hmm. running back. And I shouldn't even yeah. say monster. It's just a three-headed committee. They promoted up Gordon. They have Gus Edwards. Justice Hill fell into the end zone twice on two short touchdowns. Like I think the Ravens' backfield, unless you were dying at running back, and I mean absolutely dying, like – maybe you take a flyer on Justice Hill because it's a name that hasn't been relevant for the last three seasons or two seasons. And, you know, you can kind of see if he, if he is able to pop, if it finally clicked for him, but I, I'm not, I'm not loving that. So Kenneth or Kenneth Gainwell is the guy I'm looking for. He's involved in every aspect of this Eagles offense He's not the best at anything, but he seems to be the most efficient at all things. So, um, you know, we saw DeAndre Swift basically non-existent. We saw Rashad Penny, which was so surprising as a game day scratch. Like, extremely interesting. We've heard the buzz about Gainwell. If he's still out on your waiver wire, he is the top running back to go get hands down. Um, But I do like Zach Moss. I like Zach Moss because Deion Jones had a shot, didn't wasn't able to take care of business. Um, Evan Hall on IR. Um, so you, you kind of know that when Moss gets back, I think he's going to get first crack at everything. Deion Jones is going to go back to that kind of, you know, secondary type player. So I think the volume that Zach Moss could see is intriguing as far as if you need a running back. I think that he might have – I won't say the safest floor because I do think Gainwell's is a little bit safer being in a high-profile offense, but I think Zach Moss is um, a guy that you could go and plug in as a flex play, right? Again, if you're hurting it running back or if you need a guy like the flex option, although you're probably finding receivers that you like more than Zach Moss week in, week out. Right. And Kenneth Gainwell was a guy that, you know, Leading up to draft day, uh, we were set, we were starting to pound the table for and tell y'all that this is a guy you should have been throwing on your roster with the last draft pick. This is why is how is you know kind of how he showed up there in week one. I think a lot of this will continue. Um, and you put that very very good, right? Like he's not overly exceptional at everything, but he's highly efficient at, at all things type of deal. So I really like that one. Roshan Johnson, another guy that uh, steadily sneakily kind of, kind of creeping in there, right? Seven targets uh, coming out of the backfield there. And 
really started, you know, from a snap percentage, really started getting getting some good work in and getting some good mix in. And there were a lot of heavy reports coming out right before the season got going that uh, that this team was really starting to like Roshan Johnson. And it speaks heavily to the fact of how much he was involved with Khalil Herbert being there and them kind of shifting away from him and them going out and getting Donta Foreman and bringing him in, paying him free agency money. And Roshan Johnson kind of outshining both of those guys here in week one. So another yeah. guy that I'm, I'm looking pretty heavily at. Absolutely. If he's going to see that kind of volume in the passing game, I think the Bears are going to be trailing a lot this season. They do not have a very good defense. Teams are going to be able to get the jump out on them. And quite frankly, we want to see a little bit of this evolution in Justin Fields, right? We don't want him to run every play because then the risk of injury shoots through the roof, right? Like, yes, we think it's dynamic. Yes, we need his legs to uh, equate the fantasy relevance of where we drafted him. Uh, for for those who have him on their roster. But as far as Roshan goes, if this is what his niche is and he gets five carries and six targets a game, you know what? That's not terrible for a guy you're picking up off the waiver wire. And if you have to start him in a pinch, like that's a pretty decent floor, especially in full point PPRs. It really makes up that gap for not getting the touches if you're seeing targets like that week in and week out. So I'm interested to see what the next two weeks look like, but um, he's another guy. Yeah, absolutely. He is, uh, if you're looking for running back help, he's a guy that's worth the stash and see how it develops because we think as the season goes on, he's going to continue to get more involved in that Bears offense. Uh, Real quick, uh, back to Gainwell. Short week, uh, had a rib injury, has not practiced yet this week as we sit and talk here on Tuesday night. Um, did not practice Monday, did not practice Tuesday. Game is on Thursday, so that may be a good uh, long game. Uh, may not pay off this week. That's a, that's a good note there to add in. Uh, let's go to this question before we hit up the uh, wide receivers. Steven over on YouTube, what up, fellas? I uh, have the number one waiver on the waiver wire. Should, uh, should they pick up Kyron? Kelly or Puka need running back depth, but Puka looks like a steal. Um, if you're going to go with running back there, I would go a different route than the two guys you have mentioned. Uh, but Puka, I think, is is kind of the real deal here when it comes to uh, some wide receiver depth, and uh, that would be the way that I would I would be going to to spend on the waiver wire. Thoughts on that one? I I would agree with that, um, especially if you're waiver wire resets every week, right? If it's your standard ESPN, just reverse standings order and, and everything else, grab Puka. Um, I don't know that I'm, I wouldn't waste it on a running back having the number one priority. Um, But Puka, it's worth the, it's worth the step, right? Like he's going to play in the slot more. Cooper cups, obviously out for another three weeks. You expect some volume to be there. I do think Van Jefferson will bounce back a little bit, but you know, teams who uh, struggle to cover slot receivers, that's where Puka's going to shine, just like he did against the Seahawks, right? Van stayed outside. It was a little bit more difficult out there, um, but Puka did most of his damage inside the slot. So makes for a nice high upside. You love to see the targets there. Stafford's obviously comfortable with him. And Stafford is one of those quarterbacks that when he finds a guy that he likes and he trusts, he will look for him all over the field. So Puka showed well in week one. I think it's absolutely worth a stab um, to grab him. 
week two might be a bit of a challenge going up against right? Um, so let's let's have realistic expectations for week two. But after we get past that Niners game, weeks three and four, the Rams schedule opens up a little bit and it makes it easier for him to, you know, be able to plug into a flex role if you need to. I like it. Alex, any other thoughts on that one? All right. Uh, another couple of questions coming in here. We're going to hit those up. Then we're going to get to the wide receiver waiver wire here. Uh, JAC over on uh, YouTube. Welcome back into the, the chat there on the channel there, JAC. Got offered a trade. They offered D-Hop, and I give up Jamal Williams and Anthony Richardson in my Dynasty League. They have Fields trying to move uh, Williams before Kamara comes back. Thoughts? Uh, you need, you need a lot you more need? back. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. like you should be getting back a, a Tyree Kill, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Jameer Gibbs, Devonta Smith, like you should be getting some back in that range to to even up that trade a little bit. Yeah, there's, my there's I completely agree. There's no way I'm giving up Richardson. He he played well enough in Week One to kind of keep expectations high, right? Like it, it didn't look too big for him. Uh, he was able to find Michael Pittman, and honestly, that was one of my biggest. Uh, it was one of the biggest things I was surprised about. I really didn't know if Pittman was going to stand well with Anthony Richardson at quarterback, but he but he did. 98 yards and a touchdown. You, you will take that all day, right? If you can get Pittman to, you know, have average 80 to 85 yards a game um, on six or seven catches, like that's a really, really good season for Michael Pittman, even if he only ends up in the end zone five or six more times. So I'm I'm not doing this at all. Like this is this is a really is this, bad offer. Yes, uh, JAC. What I was going off of when I'm when I'm throwing names out there like Tyree Kill, CMC, things like that. Uh, I'm I'm looking at that from a super flex perspective and kind of a fair market trade value there. Uh, if this is a single QB league, that shifts there a little bit. But again, right, you're going to need a lot back to to be giving up Anthony Richardson um, in a dynasty, even in a super flex. Or even in a single QB league. So, yeah. um, the hop for Jamal straight up, maybe, right? Yeah. They're both aging players. D hop's going to be more involved. Like, I understand if you're trying to move off of Williams beforehand, but before you do that, just remember that Alvin Kamara does not see goal line work very much, right? His, his, his efficiency comes from the passing game. Derek Carr will be able to utilize that some, but when they get inside the five-yard line, it'll be no different than what we've seen out of the Saints for the last five, six seasons. They will go to their their bigger back to try and punch it into the end zone. They add Taysom Hill for some, uh, you know, some some oddball form or formations and, and trickery, if you will. It, Alvin Kamara is not necessarily the answer, and Jamal Williams does have a nose for the end zone. So I don't know that I'd do that just yet unless you are really needing a receiver. But even at that, uh, Williams for Hopkins straight up would probably be the absolute lowest I would go, and I'd try and increase my value of receiver back if someone needs a running back that bad. Yeah. Yep. All right, another question. In a tent, um, dropped Ertz for Laporta 20 minutes before Thursday Night Football. Should they pick Ertz back up? He had 10 targets, and even though the Cardinals won't be good, feel they'll be playing from behind and passing a lot. They will be playing from behind. Um, I, don't, I don't see them winning very many games. So 
Um, it wouldn't hurt if you've got an extra spot for a tight end. It wouldn't hurt to pick up Ertz and kind of play that uh, by committee and kind of just play the matchup there. But uh, it really would depend more so on who you're going to have to drop. Um, I agree. It depends on who you have to drop. I I think Ertz is going to be the safest bet in this Cardinals offense as far as receivers go. Yep. I, I think it's going to be who who Dobbs can find the fastest. Um. And, and he's probably going to be the most consistent receiver, right? He doesn't have the highest ceiling. I think Hollywood still has that. But as long as Zach Ertz is healthy, um, as far as tight ends go who aren't like elite premier tight ends, Zach Ertz has one of the safest, consistent floors out of any non-elite tight end that you could come across almost throughout his entire career. So right. um, as long as the health holds up, I, I like Ertz a lot. Yes, Laporta looked great against the Chiefs. Um, I, the only thing about Laporta that I'm maybe hesitant on is do the Lions change their philosophy once Jameson Williams comes back? Now, Jameson Williams is also going to have to stay healthy, right? Like he, he has shown that his hamstrings have not held up in the NFL very well. But I like Laporta week one. There's definitely a lot of buzz, a lot of upside there. But if you're looking for consistency and knowing that your guy's going to see those targets week in and week out, I I think Ertz is good for six or seven targets a week out of tight end. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, JC saying they started Goddard, who uh, laid a goose egg, but they still managed to drop 150 this week uh, because of that Cowboys D. That was an amazing historical night. Uh, when, you, when your defense and special teams can win your week, yeah, uh, you'll just take that one and run with it. So, uh, Terry, with a question coming in here. Welcome back to the chat, Terry. What to do with Drake London? Secondly, uh, Justin Fields or Anthony Richardson this week? Um, I'm going to answer the second part first for me, and then we'll get into the, the London's part. But for me, I, I've got Justin Fields a couple of spots ranked ahead of Anthony Richardson um, in my early rankings. Now, that may change here a little bit towards the, uh, you know, towards the week when I get – into some of that, that kind of stuff. And Terry, I'll have a better idea for, for that answer when I really sit down and, and get through the projections. Um, and we, when we get into like the Friday show, but for right now, um, I've got Justin Fields as QB seven, Anthony Richardson, QB nine, uh, for week two, as far as my rankings go. I think matchup wise, you have to look at, um, you know, what, what, Challenges each quarterback faces. The Bears travel to Tampa. Tampa's got a decent defense. Um, and the Colts travel to Houston, which is a rebuilding defense. Um, and so I think I think your safer play is Justin Fields. I think the bigger upside play is Anthony Richardson, which is – uh, probably going to be hold true. I think a lot of times this year, um, which is weird to say, but given the fact of what those two quarterbacks are, um, you know what Justin Fields can get you. Anthony Richardson is still an unknown uh, in my book, so I think that's is kind of a what do you want? Do you want to go? Do you want to gamble, or do you want to you know take your chips and and head to the cage? Uh, I'm going to be the the contrarian fact here i want richardson this week um i what what um tampa bay still does very well is they crowd the line of scrimmage and they don't let you run the ball and they force you into the pass when you have a justin jefferson type 
and you have Kirk Cousins, you know, as, as a passer, you're able to exploit some of that. Justin Fields is not on a passer level that Kirk Cousins is yet, right? This is what we're trying to see out of him. So this is kind of a prove-it game, in my opinion, of how much has Justin Fields grown in the offseason and how much are the Bears going to kind of take the reins off and let him rip it. Because if Fields is able to push the ball down the field, I think he can find some success. But where they're going to struggle is I don't think you're going to get much usage out of Fields' legs this week. At Tampa Bay, I think this team is kind of built to hold that in, if you will, and contain that, it being on the road. Um, so I'm going to take Richardson against Houston, um, who not a very good defense. Indianapolis's run game is not very strong, so more of that's going to fall on Richardson. I think uh, I just think for this week, I would take the gamble on Richardson overfields based off the matchup. Okay, I like it. As far as Drake London goes, what are we doing with that? I mean, in my book, Drake London's still the wide receiver three for your fantasy roster that you would have drafted him to be. Um, so you're kind of hanging on to him, right? Like, I I want to see really what this kind of looks like over the next week or two because I, I do think that this was a little bit more of an anomaly where Atlanta found a ton of success with two running backs with top ten weeks when it was all said and done, right? Bijan had a great week. Tyler Algier had a great week. And they they just kind of rode the hot hand there and, and ran the ball. But uh, there's going to be games where they're going to have to throw the ball. They're going to have to uh, pass the ball to come back to stay in it. Uh, so uh, Drake London, I, I would hold on to at this point unless you're getting a an offer that, blows your, that just kind of blows your – or knocks your sock off, socks off there, Terry. Yes, I'm, I'm holding on to Drake London I, again. Don't overreact. Yes, it's disappointing. He has the exact same points as T. Higgins, right? Like a, a back end of the second round pick, top end of the third round pick, T. Higgins. And Drake London scored the exact same amount of points. So, yes, I understand if you want to put him to your bench, shuffle your roster up a little bit as far as a starting lineup and kind of make that Atlanta offense prove to you that they can – uh, get Drake London the football. I completely understand that, but I'm definitely not dropping him. I'm, I'm holding on to him. I want to see how it looks here for the next couple weeks, and and then let's make a a decision based off a good sample size, not just one week. I like it. Uh, JAC and, and Terrence, I see your questions in the chat. We're going to get through the waiver wire here real quick, and then we'll, we'll come back and hit those questions up here. Let's go ahead and move on into the waiver wire wide receiver um, side of things here. And for the wide receivers, um, we kind of had those ranked out there. Top five, Romeo Dobbs, Jacoby Myers, Zay Jones, uh, Puka Nakua, and uh, Darnell Mooney, Racy Rice, number six. So kind of the bonus there. Um, any thoughts here on the on the waiver wire wide receivers? Uh, at least for one week, right? We, we briefly touched on Puka Nakua, right? And his, his viability out of the slot. So he's absolutely worth it. Um, you know, Dobbs is a guy that we pumped up all off season long, right? We all like Romeo Dobbs. Um, I, I think Zay Jones, I thought it was very interesting, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of us, most of us kind of really thought that Zay Jones would be the forgotten receiver in Jacksonville. And for at least one week, it was Christian Kirk who was the forgotten mm-hmm. receiver. And it was Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley that were able to kind of get there. So um, if you have if you have the, the depth, I think Zay Jones is absolutely worth being able to stash on your roster and kind of see how that progresses. Um, 
and and go from there. So uh, I think Dobbs is my number one. I think Puka. I think you could argue Puka Nakua because of what he did last week has an initial higher upside, but Dobbs did fall in the end zone twice, right? Like he got the touchdowns. So, you know, they're kind of right there neck and neck and Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs do have a nice rapport that we saw through the preseason and through week one. Um, So I think you're, you're safe there. Um, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with Puka or Zay Jones. Those are probably my top three that I'm looking at here for this week. If I'm uh, trying to shuffle the deck here at wide receiver and, and make some things happen. But for me, Dobbs is at the top. Yeah. And, and I will say this, you know, Dobbs, Dobbs is great, but keep in mind that performance we saw was without Christian Watson, right? There was, there was one less mouth that, that Jordan Love had to feed there. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I again, I, I'm well on the record here on our show and uh, have been for months saying that I think that end of the season, we look up Romeo Dobbs out uh, has more receptions, more, uh, you know, potentially more yards, more touchdowns than Christian Watson. Uh, I, I think statistically he'll be wide receiver one in uh, in Green Bay when it's all said and done, which I understand that's a uh, that is a bold take and, and not one that many in the fantasy uh, community and fantasy industry kind of share there. But um, I, I honestly do believe that uh, Romeo Dobbs will outpoint Christian Watson um, this season. So I'll, I'll be the I'll be the uh, kind of the lone wolf on that one there a little bit, taking that. Uh, oh, that's my molehill. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts here? Waiver wire wide receiver. All right, waiver wire tight end here. A uh, couple of, you know, we'll just kind of hit up a couple of guys here. But Zach Ertz, kind of the number one, Adam Troutman, Luke Musgrave, Hunter Henry, Hayden Hurst, kind of the top five guys there. I know a lot of folks are out there pounding the table for Isaiah Likely, Noah Gray, uh, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. It wouldn't surprise me if both those guys are back this week. And at that point, Isaiah likely Noah Gray have little to no fantasy value there. So uh, that's why they're all the way down there. But any thoughts, anybody that you want to mention here on the uh, tight end waiver wire? Um, no, we touched on Zach Ertz, right? So we kind of have a feeling of what's going on there. And then why can I not find my notes? Sorry, guys. Yes, we Zach Ertz, Adam Troutman. Hayden Hurst is, Hayden Hurst is a sneaky one, right? Mm-hmm. Again, young quarterback, best friend is a tight end. He's the one closest to the line of scrimmage. Uh, DJ Chark was out. Uh, Adam Thielen was dinged up. Maybe that contributed to it. But, you know, for, for the week, it, it looks like a nice little play to have Hayden Hurst stashed on your roster just because of how these young quarterbacks typically lean on their tight ends, right? So um, I, I, I like Ertz most um, for sure, but Hayden Hurst, I think, gets a, a very strong consideration um, to, to how things are going to go. But Adam Troutman, don't don't sleep on him either. Right. With with Greg Dulcich. Right. This is this is why Troutman's important. Greg Dulcich is going to miss a couple weeks. His knee slash hamstring, whatever report you're reading. Anyway, he got he got dinged up against the Raiders. So with at least for one week, how this Broncos offense looked was quick, short passes, get it out of Russ's hands, 
it was not dynamic, right? The offense did not drive the ball down the field. They only threw they only threw one pass deeper than 25 yards, and they got a PI call out of it. But other than that, everything was close to the line of scrimmage. Everything went wide, quick release. Adam Troutman's going to see a lot of targets in Denver because Greg Dulcich isn't there. So, again, another guy who probably has he has an elevated floor now compared to at the start of the season because of injury. So if if you're looking to stream tight end, there's a couple decent options out here this week. I'd look Ertz first, um, Hurst second, Troutman third, if you're just kind of in that streaming tight end mode. Cosign. I like it. All right. That'll wrap up the waiver wire here. Let's go ahead and hit up some more questions, and then we're going to get into our Pine and Shine recap. We're going to get into Thursday night football breakdown, and then our we'll give our new Pines and Shines for week two here. All right, so question coming in. JAC, they've got Laporta, Goddard leaning towards dropping Antonio Gibson and Kadarius Tony picking up Josh Kelly. They've got Eckler and picking up Zach Ertz. They kind of want to roster three tight ends because they feel like uh, they like one of the three. Um, they one feel of like the one three of the three. will finish. Yeah. Yep, we'll finish uh, top five and want to hoard those tight ends. Uh, it's a $250 buy-in league, and I'm set at every other positions. Have Fields, Pollard, Eckler, Ridley, St. Brown, uh, Rashad White, etc. So feel like they can win that, um, but they just need to focus on that tight end spot. So, JAC, I, I'll tell you, like the, the research on a lot of that shows that you can stream a tight end, right? And unless your league is going through where every team is rostering two, three, four tight end type of things, you can pick up a guy off the waiver wire and uh, at the end of the season look back and, and typically finish top five, top six in tight end scoring just by streaming who's got the best matchup there. Um, and more often than not, you'll actually find guys that you was drafted outside of the top 15 at tight end or was picked up off the waiver wire in week one or two that'll finish inside the top five there. So I don't I don't see that it's necessary to to you know, hoard three tight ends there. Um, and, and personally, I wouldn't do it. Uh, but when you're looking at who is it, Ertz, Laporta, Goddard, I'd probably just stream between Goddard and Laporta. To to be perfectly honest with you, um, I don't know that Zach Ertz is necessarily worth the. Uh, taking up a roster spot to have three tight ends on my roster. But what thoughts do we have? I, I will say this. Uh, it's all fine and dandy to, and I should, should probably listen to myself when I say this, uh, but it is all fine and dandy to have three tight ends uh, on your, on your team. Uh, but if I understand this correctly, you're only starting one. Uh, so realistically, yes, the three of them may, cumulatively finish in the top five, but that's not, you know, you're going to have to play which one will be good that week. Uh, and that's a headache that I would rather not deal with and would rather deal with, you know, having to choose between two tight ends and, you know, maybe having some depth at running back or wide receivers should one of my guys get hurt. Uh, that That's just personally how, how I, I would go about this. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I wouldn't drop Kadarius Tony yet. It was an abysmal week one, right? Right. We we all we all saw it. It was on national TV. We all understand it. The Chiefs have to throw the ball, right? They the Patrick Mahomes is going to throw the ball, 
And yes, we're frustrated and we want to, you know, hate drop Kadarius Tony. Give it another week. Give it two weeks. Like, let's really see where he's going to fit in this offense, right? If he gets put in the doghouse, then yes, we understand. We can drop Kadarius Tony and wipe our hands of him and be done. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Sky Moore did not show enough. Rasheed Rice, I think, will continue to see more time on the playing field, but we got to have to get him up there first. Like 17% of the snaps isn't going to do it. Yes, he showed because he got that touchdown, but it it wasn't dynamic. Obviously, Kelsey's going to come back, which is going to make that offense open up for these wide receivers. And, And I get being frustrated with Antonio Gibson, but he's another guy. The fumbles killed him, plural, and I understand that. So I, I can understand wanting your handcuff to Austin Eckler. Like that part I can truly understand. And if you drop Gibson to do that, I'm not I'm not gonna slam me for that one. But I'm keeping Tony on my roster here for another couple of weeks because I want to see what this Chiefs offense looks like with Kelsey back and how it opens up the field for the receivers because MVS was a non-issue. Uh Sky Moore just really wasn't up to the task. He could not create separation uh, on the field. And right, wrong, we saw Tony could. Like, he did a bad job coming down with those passes, but he created separation. And if you're open, the quarterback's going to continue to feed you the ball until he feels like it's absolutely not an option anymore. So it's a week-to-week business. They're going to forgive and forget Tony's blunders from week one. And I still think you keep him. All righty. Set over to Terrence's question. They've got wide receivers of Wilson, Cooper, Addison, Pickens, and Dobbs. Which three to start? One of them will be a flex. Uh, I'm starting Garrett Wilson. I'm starting Amari Cooper. Um, and I'm probably going to roll Romeo Dobbs just because I'm, I'm feeling that hot hand there. But uh, let, what, what do you guys got? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm, I, Wilson, Cooper, yeah, I'd go Dobbs here. Addison's day looked good because he found the end zone, right? Like that his week looked Actually, good because because he found the end zone last week. I'm gonna amend mine from Dobbs to Pickens. I I, I, I I'm gonna go Wilson Cooper Pickens. Uh Deontay Johnson hamstring issue will likely miss time. Uh so I'm I'm going to go with Pickens, who I think will be uh, one in that, you know, number one, and I think he'll see an, an increase in targets. So that's those are my three. Wilson, Cooper, Pickens. Final answer. Uh, I'm all in on Wilson and Cooper. I agree that it's between Pickens and Dobbs for this week. Um, I think it all comes down to if um, Christian Watson plays. Does Christian Watson play? If Chris, well, that's, and that's what it is, right? If, if Watson, and we know this because the Steelers have the Monday night game. So we can make this decision leading up to the game. We know we have a pivot. If Christian, if Christian Watson plays, then maybe we fade Dobbs a little bit because we know Deontay Johnson's not going to play. My concern about Pickens specifically for this week is you are going to have a pissed-off Bengals team after losing week one to the Browns. They're going to be frustrated, and they're going to try and come back and, and you know really put the screws to Pittsburgh best they can to get – you know, not drop two in the division in the first two weeks. So it, and, it, it's the Browns, it's the Browns, it's the Browns playing the Steelers this week. Oh, sorry. Wrong, wrong orange and wrong orange team. Yep. <laughs> wrong Fair Ohio. Enough. So the Steelers. Okay. So 
I think you're still gonna have a pissed off. Like, that's that's a division. That's a divisional game right there. You're still gonna have a pissed off team playing a pissed off team. <laughs> yeah. So, I, and those Brown Steelers are are epic. You know, defensive struggles in a lot of cases. Epically boring offensive games. Yes, <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Dobbs because of how efficient the Steelers looked on offense in Week One. Yes, the Niners' defense was very good, but Cleveland's defense is no slouch either. So. If you're going to force me to choose, I'm going to tell you Dobbs. But if Christian Watson plays and that bothers you, the clear pivot is to Pickens. Okay. So, uh, Alex, final thoughts on that one? Yeah, I'm still I'm still sticking Wilson, Cooper, Dobbs. Right. If Watson comes back, I think it I think it hurts Dobbs. But again, keep in mind this will be Watson's first game, right? Coming so, off of a hamstring. Coming off typically. of a hamstring. Yeah, I think so. Like. Will Watson, I, I think it scares me. Uh, it scares me less than what, you know, look, it is a it is a Cleveland-Pittsburgh Monday night game. It just feels like it's going to be 10-3. to 3 And, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot. There will be more punts than first downs. Like, that's kind of what that game sets itself up to be. Uh, so, I'm going to go with the uh, – with what I guess would be an easier one because Atlanta, I don't think is very good. Uh, so I'm going to go Wilson Cooper and Dobbs. All right. You talked me back into my original uh, thought <laughs> of Wilson Cooper Dobbs with the pivot to Pickens. I like it. All right. Yeah. Wide receiver start two. uh Brees Hall. I'm guessing that's Damian Harris, Khalil Herbert. Uh, which two should I start? I'm going to start Brees Hall, Khalil Herbert. Those are two guys. I'm going to start out of that one. Yeah. Brees Hall, Brees Hall. You know, I think there was a lot of, consternation about what the impact of a Dalvin cook was going to be. And, and honestly, I think, I think Eli Manning called it out the best during the Manning cast when Brees Hall broke that one away. My guy was not in shape. He was not, not in shape. And that's why he got hawked from behind on that. Otherwise that would have been a real long touchdown run. Um, so I, I, I still think uh, Brees Hall is, is a good play there. I guess Khalil Herbert. Sure. I'm going Holland Harris. I don't want any part of a Bears Harris. running back this week going up against the Buccaneers. It's fair. fair enough. All right. Start. Uh, should I keep Ravens defense or pick up a streamer? Uh, options Browns, Falcons, Giants, Broncos, Buccaneers. Uh, Broncos are good this week, hosting Washington. Uh, Browns going up against Pittsburgh is a good, good one. Uh, Baltimore, I don't know, is a great play this week for the reasons that Kevin was alluding to earlier. You're going to be facing a pissed off Cincinnati team, uh, a team that did not show up in week one that I think will get a lot of things right uh, or corrected uh, over the course of this week in practice. Um, you know, as much as we, we typically think about those those AFC North games being low scoring, um, I think it's going to be quite the opposite for that game. So I don't know that that Baltimore on the road at Cincinnati at a pissed off Cincinnati team, uh, not trying to go, you know, zero and two in the division in two weeks. Um, I think that that's a, a big, big point of emphasis there. So I like Denver at home and Cleveland on the road and then the Bucks. 
three. I'm streaming. I'm streaming either the Giants or the Bucks. Is how I'm going to roll that one. I'm keeping the Ravens, and here's why. Yes, you don't love the Week Two matchup, but traditionally these are grinded out type of games. And maybe you just realize that you need some extra points from from you know your flex and and maybe your your skill position starters because after that they're home against the Colts. Then they're at Cleveland, who I don't think Cleveland offensively really scared anybody week one against the Bengals, right? There's a lot of things they need to work on. Then they're at Pittsburgh. That game is always a low-scoring, grimy affair. And then they're at Tennessee. So they got a couple road games coming up, but it's all subpar offenses, right? Other than this Bengals game, it's subpar offenses. And if you give the Ravens up this week, chances are you're not going to get them back for this next three-game stretch where they have all-plus matchups. So you short-term loss, long-term gain is kind of how I'm I'm looking at this. If you are really set on this Ravens defense, if you like to stream defenses, then go for it. Broncos or Bucks is, is where I'm leaning um, in those two instances um, just because I, I want the home teams. Um, but – if, if you're good with holding on to the Ravens for one week and knowing that's not going to be probably the best result that you could possibly get, the next three weeks should more than make up for that. I'll, I'll add to your point, Kevin, and I do like your point, um, that if you can get through this week with the Ravens, you can get to November with the Ravens. Uh, because after all those games that you mentioned, you know, they, they have – they're home against the Lions and they're at Arizona. Uh, so you could get through November with with the Ravens or through October, I should say, with the Ravens defense. I, I like that point. I think long-term gain, get get through this week. Hope that you can get something somewhere else uh, to make up for this week. All right. I like it. Uh, Terry asking uh, Watson or Purdy this week. I'm going to go with Deshaun Watson. Uh, it's just slightly, but it's Deshaun Watson for me. I, I've uh, got him. I've got him early ranked thirteen. Deshaun Watson at thirteen. Purdy at fifteen. I'll take Watson too. I'm taking Purdy. Okay, there we go. Mr. Cod Reaper. They've got uh, Lawrence Mostert, Jamal Williams, DK, T. Higgins, Everett, Bourne, uh, Benches, Watson, Myers, Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy, Tyler Algier, Brian Robinson. Any changes that you would make on that roster? They. They did get big, uh, get a big win in week one. Yeah, I'm playing Algier over Kendrick Bourne. Mm-hmm. Correct. Like that. That's that's the change. Um, mm-hmm. If you really think that Kendrick Bourne is going to, you know, break out, then you sit Mostert, and you still play Tyler Algier, but. Yeah. Algier and, and Williams need to be your top two running backs going into week two. Agreed. JAC, thanks for y'all's insight. Would you drop Kadarius Tony if it was for Puka Nakua or Bourne? Maybe, maybe Puka, or, but. Or Kenneth Gainwell. I didn't see that part there. Um, if you maybe, need if you need running back Gainwell, yes. Yeah. Um, I. Mm, Benches, Judy, Marquise Brown, Antonio Gibson, Jamal Williams, Gino, Kadarius Tony, and Laporta. 
See, uh, I'd drop I'd drop Gibson. Get rid of Gibson. Right. For yeah, but that's up. what we talked about earlier, right? If he's dropping <laughs> Gibson to pick up uh, Kelly, right, to get to right. handcuff to yeah, handcuff Eckler. Sorry. Um, it's so hard this early in the season to drop a piece of a high profile, high scoring offense, in my opinion, that I think I would personally shy away from it. I understand the allure to it. Maybe. I just got it. I don't know that I do it. I I just don't know. And and yeah, maybe you miss out on Nakua, but there's going to be so many more unfortunate injuries to happen between now and week three, when you can kind of make a real decision on Kadarius, Tony, you'll be able to pick up, you know, the next guy. Like, I think I'd pass this week because I'd rather have Tony in that high profile offense than the Rams and Puka Nakua. Yeah, no. And that makes sense. I, I understand that protect your, protect your investment. I have, I have zero problem with that whatsoever. Um, But yeah, I, I just don't know that I'd it would be it would be Gibson, not not Tony that I'd be dropping. I'm right there with you. Yeah. So or, yeah, Gibson uh, for Kelly, Stern, right? But Stern, Gibson Tony for someone else, like right. So and it kind of goes back to to what we talk about, right? Like throughout this, you you play the game in, in kind of quarters, right? Like the season is is played in quarters, right? Like you're playing for weeks one through four, really off your draft, and you really want to see what your team's looking like over the first three to four weeks on that one. And then you're pivoting, you're making changes, you're drafting, you're, you know, you're, you're making your trades. You're, you're really being aggressive on the waiver wire there. Right. But this is one of those that we see so often fantasy managers overreact to one week or to two weeks type of thing, right? Like last year, perfect example, Austin Eckler fantasy managers were livid through the first two, three weeks of the season because they took a guy to number two overall and he had yet to crack the top 24 on a weekly finish. And then what did he do? He finished his RB one, like do not hit the panic button yet. Right. We've got one week, one very limited sample size, just hold tight a little bit. If you want to make some small moves, make some small moves, but don't blow up your roster off of one week on this one. You, you did your research. You, tra- you, you drafted it the way you drafted it. You, you, you're listening out there to to try and get some insight on those things. Don't necessarily hit the full on panic button and, and just go after uh, you know the shiny thing because the guy that is in a in a better better situation. Because here's the thing, right? Like think about it this way too. There's a good chance Cooper Cup comes back, and when Cooper Cup comes back, what does Puka become? Second, third fiddle on that on that roster, and Cooper Cup is now getting targeted 15 times a game, and Puka is getting five targets a game, and He's relegated, relegated to, you know, trade fodder, drop candidate in week five, right? Whereas you know, Darius Tony on the on the flip side, you could see that continue building up. So just just hold tight. Any other thoughts there? Okay. No. Uh, trade away Miles Sanders for Kamara full PPR. I'm not doing that deal. Nope. Nope. I'm keeping okay. Sanders. Also, what are y'all's top three waiver wire ads this week? Uh, Super CMB challenges. We've got shorts on the uh, YouTube uh, that lists all of the uh, all of the waiver wires, all of that, as well as uh, we went through the waiver wire pretty extensively earlier in the show as well. So hit those up. We've got those out there for you. Um, is Puka, uh, uh, Terry? Th- that's a point I was just making there as well, right? I like that you said that. Is Puka even a thing if and when Cup returns? 
All righty. Let's go ahead and get to the – I know we've got some other things here. We'll, we'll get to these in a little bit, but let's go ahead and get over to the Pine and Shine recap for uh, week one here. Kevin, you're, uh, you're looking top dog out the gate here and uh, kind of in the war of attrition a little bit with this new scoring here, but you are the uh, top dog out the gate here with the Pine and Shine scoring here um, going through it. So what are our thoughts here and uh, how y'all feeling so far off of the, uh, the Pine and Shines? feel like i'm the skinniest guy at the big and tall shop <laughs> by like an inch yeah like, <laughs> i got i got two pounds i'm the skinniest guy at the big and tall shop i don't overall you know it didn't pan out completely how i thought it would i and realistically I, I felt good about the pines right it was it was the shines deon jackson uh completely crapping the bed did not help and same thing with van jefferson right with puka nakua being the thing and not van those two shines really hurt me um, for the week. Um, but when you look at it, I mean, hell, I feel like I was just, well, we'll call it 50%. Hawkinson got his just enough, right? He finished what tight end eight. So technically it was a hit. So I'll call it four out of six. Not bad for week one. I basically, yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I basically hit four out of six. James Cook was a wash. He was projected. 27th he finished 27th that was that was a wash there um but uh in the in the pine at least but nailed juju nailed tyler conklin uh i got monty right monty was uh david montgomery was projected 23rd you know finished rb1 uh back end of rb1 but rb1 uh there at 12th uh missed on Jahan dotson missed on dalton schultz um, which was disappointing, but uh, overall, uh, I didn't do too bad. We're basically where we started, right? I'm only two points below zero, so things could be worse, as my co-host will now explain. Yeah, so when you miss when you miss big on one of these guys, <laughs> it really hurts you, and I mean it really hurts you because I I actually kind of blew away the. Uh, yeah, you know, just absolutely knocked it out of the park on my pines, right? Like, yeah, Ted Derrick Ted, Ted, Ted Derek Henry was a pine, right? Like, finished double what he was projected um, as far as a rank goes. Called for Jalen Waddle to be a, a pine, finished almost three times what his ranking was there. Called for David Njoko to be a, a pine, finished more than double what his ranking was there. Like, I, was, I got through the pines on that. I was feeling really good. Even got through my first shine where I called for Samaj P. Ryan to be a shine, right? He was projected 35, finished at 22nd, like, you know, outperformed that one. Uh, Gerald Everett kind of hurt there a little bit, right? Like not the performance we we're looking for. Uh, went to, went a little backwards there, but Christian Kirk, man, like, I don't know what happened here, but this guy just got forgotten about out there in Jacksonville. He's still this on is, the bus. <laughs> this is how crazy this is. Like I went through and I was playing with some of the scoring on this one. If Christian Kirk finishes at wide receiver 62 and puts up like 4.4 fantasy points on this thing, it changes my number from a, like takes me from pretty good in the negative there to an overall pretty big positive on the week. Like for a guy finishing, if he just finishes wide receiver 60 on the week, like that drastically changes the entire rest of my output there. So uh, the, uh, the new scoring here definitely, uh, can definitely uh, put you in a bind here if you miss and miss big on that one. But on the flip side, if you hit and you hit big, 
it's uh, it's going to pay off for you there as well. And we'll get to our new pine and shines here in just a moment um, as well after we hit up the Thursday night preview. Uh, let's hit up just a couple of questions here, and then we're going to get right into the Thursday night preview here. Um, so Gainwell, Puka Natua, uh, Kyron Williams on the waiver. Should I drop Hunt? Higsby or Hunt Bigsby Mitchell to grab one of these, even though I wouldn't start Puka this week. I'm dropping I, I, Hunt. There's, yeah. no, there's no reason to keep a player that's not even on a team. I mean, the, the rumors have been swirling for six, eight weeks now, and nothing's right. been done. So um, I'm a little surprised he hasn't found a landing spot. But even once he does, he's going to have to get in the football shape. He's going to have to learn a playbook. He's going to be slow played into it. So, I mean, you're talking another at least three weeks after Hunt is signed before he can be anything relevant for you. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd drop Hunt and, and kind of whichever you feel like you need the position more running back or wide receiver between Gainwell and Puka. Right. And I, I'd even be willing to drop either Bigsby or Mitchell to go get, you know, drop two of those guys to, to go get Gainwell and Puka. Like that one I'd, I'd be okay. I'd drop, yeah. And I'd drop Bigsby. Yeah. Hunt and Bigsby for Gainwell and Puka. If you can swing that, that's that. I think make bigger, but I'm 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 anti tank Bigsby. I have been since <laughs> but I mean, you, Auburn. Like and, and the difference here is you've got like deep depth that you got because you really didn't give up much draft capital to go get Hunt or Bigsby on this one. And so you're kind of it's kind of washing out draft capital wise there. And you were going depth anyway, where you, you drafted probably Hunt and Bigsby as what your tight or I'm sorry, you're running back probably five and six on your roster there. So that's kind of the difference in you know, between the, the Canaries Tony deal that we've been talking about and the and this deal here. Uh Terrence said he's starting Cup Wilson and Cup the rest of the season after week four. Probably a good idea if, if Cooper Cup's fully healthy. Uh Terry asking, can Puka be OBJ next to, to Cup? Uh, depends on which OBJ you're talking about. Like everybody remembers the OBJ Super Bowl appearance where he had one great game and blow up and all of that. But people seem to forget that during that season that he was there in eight games that he was there. Dude, ha- dude was averaging 39 yards a, r- a game. Like, that was it. Had a hard time getting in the end zone. They were trying to force feed it in the red zone to him. Like, he was not fantasy relevant during the back half of that season. Um, so, even if he can be the next OBJ to cup, like, yeah. I'll tell you no, because OBJ played on the outside more than he played in the slot, right? Like, we're ideally, you want him to be close to what Robert Woods was back in Woods prime because he would play, he would step into that slot when Cooper cup first came into that league and into the league and let cup play outside. Yes, it's possible. It is absolutely possible. Um, you know, to see what Matt Stafford can do and how this is going to look for Sean McVay in this offense. It's possible that he remains kind of that wide receiver three area even after cup comes back. Um, so if, if you're, you know, if you're sitting on your, if you're sitting there looking at your roster and you feel like you have, you know, the, at the bottom of it, you have a wide receiver four or wide receiver five or even six, you know, something then. Yeah. But at wide receiver three territory, I'm, I need to make sure that it's an upgrade. Like I'm not just doing it for the sake I have them on my roster. Like it. Any other thoughts on that one, Alex? Nope. Okay. Would you all trade away Jamal Williams for uh, Zay Flowers and redraft? Yes. Um, 
see, I'm on the opposite side. If I've, I've got Zay Flowers in the home league, if somebody offered me Jamal Williams, I'm going to say, and what else are you sending? I am. I, I get that. I get that the Jamal Williams has the uh, touchdown upside, things like that, but I want to see what the Zay Flowers looks like. Now, granted, in the home league, I have the depth that I can I can roll with that. Uh, Jamal Williams would be like the fifth or sixth running back depth wise on my on my roster there, and I'm, Zay Flowers is like my fourth, fifth wide receiver. So, um, I wouldn't yeah, I wouldn't do the, the deal. deal. With me. You would give up Williams for Zay Flowers? Oh yes, yes I would. I was reading that backwards. Would I trade Zay Flowers for Jamal Williams? I, yeah, it was how I read that. My bad. Yes, on flowers. All right. Uh, should they consider dropping Bigsby for Justice Hill in a 16-man redraft after the Jobbins in- injury? Think Bigsby will be utilized around the goal line, so I'm reluctant to drop him. I think Justice Hill's going to get used around the goal line. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing, and this one has one less running back in the way. Look, we we talked about Justice Hill. We talked about what we think the Ravens' running back is going to be. Uh, earlier in the show uh, where we think it's going to be, you know, basically the three of them, it will be a running back by committee. Uh, Justice Hill found his way into the end zone twice in week one. I think that is, you know, probably more likely uh, than Bigsby being anything more than if the Jags can get down to the, to the goal line. Is this the same roster you showed us earlier also? Because there has to be someone even worse than Bigsby sitting around for to drop if you want Justice Hill, right? Just just because of where Bigsby was going, right? Like that's, Especially that's in a sixteen. And I get it, right? If you, I don't like Tank Bigsby's game. I didn't like it at Auburn. I don't like the way he plays against high end competition. We saw that he almost gave the game away. Uh, for the Jaguars, right, uh, against the Colts, right? If you see those, just a, kind of a bonehead thing. So I am not a Tank Bigsby believer at all. I know that there are many people out there who are, and good for them. Now, to that being said, Tank Bigsby's one one injury away from being the guy in Jacksonville. Right. I, in Baltimore, you're still going to see a two, three-headed monster. And, oh, by the way, Lamar Jackson still is mobile. Like, So I do think that scares me a little bit in Baltimore. So probably not. i probably keep Bigsby and roll the dice there, knowing that I have no intentions on playing either of them ever. I think we found the only like scenario in which Kevin says keep uh, Tank Bigsby. I think we finally found the one out of it's, a million. The path to volume. Right, the hills right. floor might be a little bit higher, but uh, his ceilings—I don't think his ceilings very high. I mean, with them activating uh, Melvin Gordon, Gus Edwards is still there. I don't know. Carrie's yeah, even talking to you about true. the offense. Suffered some key injuries on the offensive line, so good point. JAC saying he likes your hat, Kevin. He also—he graduated from Georgia. That a boy. Go dogs. There you go. Are they ever going to play like a real team? <laughs> Fuck off. They were supposed to play Oklahoma last week, and the SEC made them cancel the game. Yep. It's all right. That was easy. That was too easy. <laughs> so, Super back CMB to back. Challengers. Back to back. There you go. Super <laughs> CMB Challengers. Should I trade away D-Hop for James Cook PPR? They have CD, uh, Diggs, and Olave, and almost no RB depth. Yes. yes. Smash yes. Move on. Yes, James Cook will continue to be the thing. That Jets defense yes. is good, yeah. and James Cook still 
carved out a nice role for himself. It will get easier for him uh, throughout the season as they face uh, a little bit, I guess, softer defenses than what the Jets have to offer on a Monday night home opener. So, absolutely. Agree. Uh, Spear saying, yo, uh, what up, Spear? All right, let's go ahead and head on into the Thursday night game here. Thursday night, week two, Minnesota Vikings taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles favored by seven. The over-under on this one, 48 and a half. What are our thoughts here? Flashback okay. me a year ago, if you will. Right, The, the Vikings are, are coming off of a big week one win. And, and they go into a primetime game against the Philadelphia Eagles as, I believe, a three-point favorite. At home, and Philly absolutely beats him with the broomstick, and then sticks it where the sun don't shine on it national. Rates. Yeah, like absolutely demolishes them. Now, their defense is depleted from last year, right? Justin Jefferson will have a better game on Thursday than he did last year when they played each other, but I don't know that that really changes the final result. I think that. For whatever reason, Minnesota struggled to get the ball in the end zone against a really bad pass defense for week one, at least, in Tampa Bay. They could not get the ball in the end zone once they got down there. I don't know that Philly's going to have that problem, if nothing else, because Jalen Hurts is a little bit mobile and they have, you know, three really prime receiving targets on top of two or three running backs who can all catch the ball in the backfield and start to gash you a little bit. So I'm, I'm taking Philly. I'll give you the seven. I'm going to take the over in this game because I do think Minnesota will be able to put up some points. It's not going to be the 38 to three drubbing or whatever it was last year when, when the Eagles just embarrassed them. So I do think we touch 50 in this game. Uh, I'm going to take Philly as well. I'm going to take the under. Uh, I'm taking Philly because primetime Kirk. And uh, I'll take the under. And uh, I have a, a prop, and the prop that I'm going with, and we'll let Kevin get to his prop. Uh, the prop that I'm going with, and maybe just because I want to will this into existence that it happens. And it's going to be really funny given the prop that I'm going with, and the prop that Kevin's going with, and then the prop that Derek's going to give us. Because holy crap, if it if it all works out, it will be a, a miracle. Uh, my prop will be Dallas Goddard over. 46 and a half receiving yards. Kevin, why don't you go ahead and give your prop and then I'll, I'll hit mine. So I'm going, I'm going with AJ Brown over, what was it? 72 and a half receiving yards. I was this close to taking that Jefferson prop. It's sitting at night, what 93 and a half. And I, I'm this close to wanting to pivot and go Jefferson, but I just couldn't do it. So I took the home team. I took the Eagles and the prop with AJ Brown. See, I, I'm looking at this thing going, man, the, the NFL anymore has a hard time getting games that you know finish by more than a margin of three points, it seems like. So when a spread's sitting there at seven points and you're talking about a full touchdown, those are the ones that always make me a little bit leery on that one. But I'm still going to take Philly to cover the seven on this. I am taking the under. We do see those Thursday night games, the short weeks. Teams tend to tend to score less points, so I'm taking the under on this one. And uh, surprisingly enough, that both of you took Philadelphia receivers to go over on their props because I'm taking Jalen Hurts to go under 249 and a half passing yards. I think when this thing's all said and done, we see Jalen Hurts hit somewhere right about 225, 230 on the passing yards 
on this one? That leaves more than enough because yeah, does, 75 and 50 is only 125. So it's only halfway there, just over halfway there. So all three can absolutely happen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we'll keep you guys go. We'll, we'll keep you guys uh, apprised of how we're finishing every week on that one. Uh, when it comes to the, uh, comes to the Thursday night props. Um, you know, last week we, uh, oh, you know, Alex was the only one that, that didn't finish above 500. Kevin and I both went two and one last that week on the Thursday omen. night game. Oh, that was an omen of how the week was going to go. My prop was, well, what was it? 35 and a half. Yes. Uh, my prop was Jared Goff, 35 and a half, over 35 and a half pass attempts. And I sat there and looked as the Lions knelt that game away. And Jared Goff only threw the ball 35 times. So it's a good well, line. That one yeah. hurt. That was a yeah. great line, but that one hurt. And actually, if, if y'all were inclined to, you should have been listening to Kevin all last week on the, uh, the over and under, uh, side of his calls, uh, 14, one and one 14, 14 calls. He got right one, one, uh, one loss and one push on that one. So pretty well spectacular week on that one. Just had to give you your, uh, your kudos on that one there, buddy. We'll talk Appreciate about it more it on the, good week. we'll talk about it more on the Friday show. And when we get into that, cause that's what that show is all about, but, uh, couldn't wait to, to give you your, your dues on that one. Uh, Spear IT thoughts on Goddard's performance. I'm a little worried. I'm. It can't I'm, get any worse. Yeah. True. No, can't be any worse. Right, there's, there's only up, right? There's only up. So there's only I, up. I like it. It'll be good. You know, I think Alex is pretty close, right? At 43 to 48 yards, you know, receiving. The problem with Goddard is he just doesn't fall in the end zone a lot, right? So you, you really want him to fall into the end zone, but he'll bounce back. He'll get his yardage. You'll see him with, you know, three to four grabs, 40 to 50 yards, somewhere in that neighborhood. So yeah. nine, nine points, right? You need the touchdown to get you into double digits is really what you need. I like it. Uh, Mr. COD Raper is saying, uh, thanks to us, he's ranked second in his league. You're most welcome. Let's keep it going. Make that march towards cash and trophies there. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm in a league with these two. So thanks to them, I'm nowhere close to second. You're welcome. Uh, should I drop Njoku, Musgrave, or Antonio Gibson for either Gainwell or Puka Nakua? Um, Antonio Gibson is be the only one that I'd probably yes. go with. Get rid of Antonio Gibson. <laughs> I'd, get, I'd, I'd drop Musgrave and Gibson for Gainwell and Puka Nakua. You you can always, you'll be able to pick Musgrave back up, right? He's going to be hot and cold. People are going to get frustrated with him. Like, I keep Njoku. The weather's going to be better. He'll see better weeks than what he saw in week one. So I'll drop Musgrave and Gibson to grab Gamewell and Nakua, and I'll just stream tight in the rest of the way. Call good. There we go. All righty, guys. It's time for the Pine and the Shine, week two edition. We're going to go through the uh, the Pines here first. And so with the Pines, obviously, right, we're, we're thinking guys that are going to underperform, not necessarily guys that we're going to you know be putting on our bench, things like that, but guys that are – that we're thinking will have a uh, tougher go of it and may miss their projections here when it comes to week two. So underperformers on that one, we'll keep it the same way we went through it last week where we'll each hit up our running back. Then we'll each hit up our wide receiver, each hit up our tight end. Then we'll head over into the shines. And uh, Alex, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Sure. My running back this week that you should pine is Kyron Williams. Uh, I know he had a great week last week. 
Um, but those numbers are inflated uh, because he found the end zone twice. Uh, so, yes, it was a great it was a great week for him. But two touchdowns made that look really good. Otherwise, it was a ho hum week. I know he's going to be really, really, um, really, really uh, tempting to grab off the waiver wire and plug in there and think that he's going to replicate what he did in week one. Um, pump the brakes on that because the Niners are in town or they're at the Niners town or something. And it's going to be the Niners are in town and it's, it's not going to be as easy sledding for him. All right. My pine for week number two, uh, Khalil Herbert. Um, I about went Tony Pollard. Uh, he would be a very close runner up. I about went Tony Pollard, but, uh, I'm going to go with Khalil Herbert facing a Tampa Bay defense that is very stout against the run. Um, they did a good job of bottling Alexander Madison up. I think they're going to continue to do that against the Bears, and it's going to make it really tough to keep anything going on the ground for Chicago. All righty. My pine is going to be Alexander Madison. Uh, currently right now he's the running back 17 on the week, projected to do about 12.8. He's got this tough Philadelphia matchup here on the Thursday night game. Uh, Minnesota very well could be playing from behind early. That's going to limit Madison on the ground even more. I don't know that we're going to necessarily see him get a whole lot of you know, passing work on this thing. So Alexander Madison's a guy that I think is going to underperform his uh, projections this week. Let's go ahead and hit up the wide receivers. Uh, all right. I'm going with Garrett Wilson uh, to pine this week. He's currently projected to be the 18th uh, wide receiver uh, with 12 and a half points. Uh, I just don't see it with Zach Wilson. I think, I don't think this is a long-term thing. I think this week um, it's just not going to work out for them. Uh, they're at Dallas. It's going to be a tough. It's going to be a tough environment for him. So uh, Garrett Wilson is my pine. I am pining Terry McLaurin this week. Um, Pat Sertan did a very good job keeping uh, Devonta Adams in check in Week One, and I think he's going to do the exact same great job keeping Terry McLaurin in check in Week Two. So I'm pining Scary Terry. Yeah, that one was uh, – I really like that call. I almost went uh, Scary Terry there before I settled in on my guy here, and I was taking T. Higgins, right? Like I know a lot of folks are thinking bounce back week here. He's still ranked wide receiver 16 on the week, projected to do about 12.6 points. This is one of those that he's – you know, they're, they're going in, they're playing Baltimore. Again, we could see a little bit of a higher-powered offense here, but I don't necessarily think – we're going to see him get up there. I think that he finishes back end wide receiver two, top end wide receiver three on the week, and I think he's going to miss those projections. Let's go ahead and head on into wide our tight ends. Yeah, I'm pining Jawan Johnson this week. Uh, he's projected to be 15th, six and a half points. He had all of one catch for, or excuse me, three catches for 36 yards uh, in the Saints. Uh, week one game, so um, I'm I'm having him sit. I don't think he finds the end zone. I think the Saints will try to get other dudes involved uh, before they get Jawan Johnson going. Uh, George Kittle is my pine for tight end. Uh, the Rams statistically 
have done a pretty good job against Kittle in years past. Coming off a big win against Seattle, I think that defense is pretty hyped up. They're they're trying to, um, you know, prove the doubters wrong because everyone said the Rams were going to stink this year. I think they hold Kittle in check. I like it. I'm going to go, and this one hurts to say, but I'm going to go with the guy out of Oklahoma, Mark Andrews, uh, currently ranked wide receiver number or tight end number two, projected to do about 13.3 points. He's coming off of a leg injury, right? The quad that kept him out week one. I, I do think that he is good to go here in week two, but I don't see him getting to that 13.3 points. I think he's going to get closer to between about seven, eight points. Uh, Cincinnati is going to be looking to rebound against another um yeah, against the divisional loss last week. And the Cincinnati managed to, to keep David Njoku, another pretty good tight end, to under 25 yards in week one. So I don't see Mark Andrews having a blow-up game here in his return to uh, to action here. All right, let's go ahead and head on in. Let's go ahead and head on into the shine here. And the shines for week two. Alex, kick it off. Yeah, so uh, at running back, I am going Brian Robinson. Uh, Antonio Gibson is uh, not it. Um, the, the the Raiders didn't have a spectacular day rushing against the Broncos, uh, but I think that um, with the way that this game is going to be played, I think the defenses will be a part, but I think that uh, Robinson will, will be the best option for – Washington to move the football with how good Denver's secondary is, um, that it's going to be a struggle to move the ball through the air. So I'm going Brian Robinson. Uh, he is projected number 29, uh, 10 points, uh, running back 29 this week. So I, I think he, he easily gets past that. Hmm. I just saw that your show notes, Derek. So I'm going to pivot. <laughs> pivot, pivot, pivot. Um, am I going to pivot? I'm going to take. I'm going to call AJ Dillon as my shine for the week. I think with the Aaron Jones hamstring issue, uh, yes, I think Aaron Jones is going to try and play. If he doesn't, then that leads to even more upside for AJ Dillon. But the way that they're splitting this up, I think he has the ability to get into the end zone here. So um, I'm going to pivot here. Go to Dillon. Alrighty, I like it. Um, I'm going to go with Zach Moss. Is going to be my, uh, you know, my 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 placeholder here, uh, so to speak. Uh, if Zach Moss ends up missing, I've got a pivot that we're going to go to. Right, like not going to take the. Uh, take the, the take the easy road of just a uh, pass on that one. So Zach Moss um, is going to be my shine. Um, if he plays, he's he's currently ranked running back 54 in the week, projected to do about 4.2 points. I think this is the guy that's going to take the bulk load of the work in Indianapolis, and I think that we'll see him do uh, some pretty decent things here and definitely outshine uh, that kind of projection. If uh, Zach Moss misses, then my pivot's going to be Tyler Algier, who had a fantastic week one here. He's currently ranked running back 30, projected to do about 9.9 points. I think we're going to see a lot more of the same, right? Like this is one of those that going into 
preseason rankings, preseason shows when we're talking this guy up. I very much thought that Tyler Algier was going to see anywhere from 180 to 200 carries on this season, and that is kind of how this is looking like it's going to play out here. Tyler Algier is certainly getting the short yardage work there as well. So if this is one of those that if they get down inside the five-yard line, we could see Tyler Algier getting his number called and taking that abuse on the goal line here. So uh, that's going to be my shine for the running backs here. Let's go ahead and head over to the wide receivers. Yeah, my wide receiver this week is a guy that I never thought I would pick for this, but it's Michael Pittman. Um, he had a great week one. Uh, the Colts are playing Houston, and while Houston – I don't know that we got a good look at what Houston's pass defense is going up against Baltimore. Um, you know, the Ravens ran the football a ton. Um, they didn't throw it uh, – they threw it 10 fewer times than they ran it. Um because they didn't have to and need to throw the football in that game. So um, I, I, uh, I think that the Texans defense will have to learn. Um, I think the threat of running for uh, Anthony Richardson opens some things up and I'll, I'll take Pittman to shine. He is currently projected wide receiver 28 and uh, 10.9 points. I'm going to take Kendrick Bourne. I'm going to say it was another good week. Him and um, Mac Jones seem to have a, at least an early season connection here, and I think he is going to be able to um, you know, be extremely serviceable here in week two going up against those Dolphins. Those pesky Dolphins. Pesky Dolphins. All righty. So I've got uh, Puka Nakua that I'm going to take as my wide receiver shine here. Part of it is, is the name is just so fun to say, right? Like, yeah, got to go with that. But again, right, 15 targets week one. I'm willing to ride the, uh, you know, kind of roll the dice and ride that uh, wave here. Currently projected to be wide receiver 46 on the week and about nine points projected. I think this is one of those that we can see him get up into, you know, potential wide receiver two territory again when this thing's all said and done, even though the matchup's pretty tough here. Let's go ahead and get on into the tight ends. I my tight end uh shine this week is God, I hope so. Dallas Goddard. Uh, I already called him to go over 46 and a half points or 46 and a half points, 46 and a half yards receiving. I think he does find his way into the end zone. Lord knows whatever he does this week is going to be better than what he did last week because uh, he didn't do a damn thing last week. He's currently projected tight end seven, so not a lot of wiggle room here, uh, but 9.1 points. I think he finds the end zone and, and uh, gets into double figures. Fair enough. You don't know how close I was to taking Dallas Goddard as my pine. As your pine. I, I, I literally was getting ready to type that in there and went, oh, well, that's that's kind of weird that I'd, I'd do that one with Alex. The, only, the, only, the only reason I take him is because I think they want to get him involved. And he wasn't involved at all in week one. And I think you have to make it a point to get him involved in this offense. If this offense is going to go, it needs Dallas Goddard to be – not prominent, but involved. And uh, I think you you make a point of it this week. Yep, They need him to be the, the third receiving option on that team. All righty. I like it. My, uh, my tight end that I'm going to take here is Luke Musgrave for the shine. Currently projected to be a tight end 17, about you know, 6.2 fantasy points here projected. The Falcons are the sixth easiest defensive opponent against opposing tight ends, giving up 20% more points than opposing tight ends in the league average. Again, small sample size here, 
but we're going to ride it. We're going to let it roll. I, I don't think Christian Watson is going to make it to this game. Now, I could be wrong on that one. So I'm willing to, to let that one ride and, and think that Luke Musgrave is going to have a, a pretty darn good game here when this thing's all said and done. And we'll see how that one rock and rolls there. And then we'll get Kevin's uh, pine uh, or shine for tight end here in a minute. But while I got it, I got it. It's Sam Laporta. He's going with Sam Laporta uh, this week. Uh, Derek, if you want to, I will stall while you look up what Sam Laporta's uh, stats are going to be. And then you can finish off what we are going to say about Sam Laporta. I, Kevin's shine tight end this week. I really like the slow as you like started slowing your pace of speech even more so. So that was fun. I know what I'm doing. Uh, fair enough. I liked it. Uh, Sam Laporta. Uh, yeah, right now that that's a pretty good call there. He is uh, projected to have the easiest matchup against the uh, you know the Seahawks, giving up the most points out there to opposing tight ends. Uh, so Sam Laporta. Um, yeah, currently tight end number 12. He's projected to do about 7.3 points per game going up against Seattle, right? The matchup is certainly there. So I think that uh, Kevin may have a pretty good pick there, and we'll see how that one turns out when it's all said and done. Um, any other thoughts here on the pine and the shine? I'll see, see how it goes. All right. I like it. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, hit up some of these questions here, and then we're going we're gonna to probably call it a night here. So, uh, pick Rick. This was the back to the uh, uh, Musgrave. Yep, the Musgrave thing. Yeah, they've got a heavy Packer league, so they're worried about Musgrave if they drop. Uh, I mean, pick Rick. What I'll tell you is, is if you're worried about you know picking up a tight end that's going to be a streamer tight end for the rest of the season, like that that that's one of those that the fanhood is probably getting in the way a little bit more so than necessarily the fantasy side of it is. Tamil um, are. Yeah, Luke Musgrave will do well for you. He'll have some blow-up weeks. He'll have some absolutely abysmal weeks. Thus is the uh, tight end position, and it's you know, multiplied by the fact that it's a rookie in there as well. So uh, just because it's a heavy Packer league doesn't necessarily mean that you need to stash a Packer and hold on to him forever, right? Like our home league is very heavily Broncos, and uh, so we, we don't necessarily make decisions on whether or not I, I'm not going to be able to get, you know, the you know the second uh you know a, a tight end or a, a wide receiver back if i drop them if they're dro- if they're a potential drop candidate anyway like we're gonna move off of that if we have to on that one there so um any other thoughts on that one no no <laughs> all righty uh Spear IT, eight, eight team league are Algier and Jacoby Meyer good waiver wire ads. Um, just like everything else, it's very much uh, kind of dependent upon what the rest of your roster looks like. But Algier looked good. I, I think he'll get more run. I think he'll, we'll see him probably finish as a high end, you know, probably RB3, bottom end RB2 when the season's all said and done. Jacoby Myers, I think, will be comfortably a wide receiver too when it's all said and done. But on an eight team league, right? Like you're you're going star power there and there's a whole lot of star power on each team. So uh, you're either going to have to get really, really good at uh, picking the guy with the massive upside there. or You're just going to have to play the, uh, the big name guys because that's what everybody else in those types of leagues do. 
Any other thoughts on this one? No, I like the I like this next one. Drop Antonio Gibson for Jerome Ford. That's interesting. Anybody? No, because no. no, Ford Ford had his own case of the fumbles, right? He, I mean, he fumbled a ball away for Cleveland too. So, it, it, I think it's the same problem a different guy, but I think Gibson. I think Gibson gets out of the doghouse and he catches the ball better than Jerome Ford does. So I would not do that. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Alexander uh, on the YouTube. Alexander, I think this is the first time we've seen you in the chat. Welcome in. Uh, question for you guys when you have a chance, need some advice. They've got a 10 team full PPR Deshaun Watson, Jalen Waddle, Michael Pittman, Saquon Barkley, Jameer Gibbs, Darren Waller, Flex is James Cook, Benches, Prescott, Sutton, Brandon Cooks, Gerald Everett, uh, Jaden Reed, Jerry Judy, Cooper Cups on the IR. What do I pick up? Nothing. <laughs> I don't I don't know that you're gonna find anything out there on the waiver wire that you're gonna I mean maybe you drop Jaden Reed for uh Pukanachua. Like that that'd be kind yeah. of it. Um You've J- done well here. Yeah, Jaden Reed's the only guy that I would be that would I would even put up there as a potential drop candidate, and I'd be looking. But in a ten-team league, you should have guys with more name power and, and potential higher upside than Puka Nachua or or Kenneth Gainwell out there too. I get this, uh, Derek. His his next comment here that he's second on the waiver wire, but look, sometimes. I, I wouldn't waste Sometimes, my priority. Yeah, look, like doing something for the sake of doing something doesn't always equate to for it being good. So I don't think you need to worry about it. I think you have a good team here. Um, Derek had mentioned earlier, you know, think about the season in quarters. This first quarter of the season, uh, first four weeks, you know, trust your draft. Uh, and And you can tinker if you need to, but don't tinker just for the sake of tinkering. Um, I think I think you've got you've assembled a pretty good roster here uh, that you don't need to really. You're gonna you're gonna run into the situation that I ran into, uh, and that is Sutton and Judy. Um, I had that in in my work league, and I had to get rid of one of them just because I didn't want the headache. Um, I got rid of Sutton because I could eat it. Uh, I could eat Judy's injury for um, week one, so. Uh, that that I think will be something that you'll have to consider, but I don't know that I would straight up just drop somebody. I think I would flip um, and see what I could get for Sutton or Judy, uh, whichever guy you want to you want to move off of. Yeah, it, it's one of those that you'd make the trade to to do that. You wouldn't drop yeah, either one not, of those it's guys. Not worth dropping. Um, and actually, Alexander, the more I think about this, the more that I'm going to play the hot drop game. Right? Like that's what I'm going to be looking for. I'm going to be waiting for what the rest of my league mates do on the waiver wire here, especially if I'm second priority. I'm not going to burn my waiver priority with the roster that you've got here. I'll wait and see what everybody else does because I'm willing to bet you that you've got somebody in your league that's going to do a um, – that's going to make an impulsive move. That's usually what happens after week one. Somebody's going to make an impulsive move and put somebody on the waiver wire that shouldn't be on the waiver wire to pick up the hot new name. And uh, then I'd, I'd absolutely go after that person with my uh, with my waiver priority, or I'd just wait until free agency and see what's kind of sitting there and, and uh, potentially pick somebody up that way. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not burning the waiver priority with the roster you've got there. Any other thoughts? Yeah, cosine. Cool. Uh, Spear IT asking Algier, Myers, or Jamal Williams at the flex. I'm going to go with Algier. 
Yeah, I am too. Myers isn't a bad option. I want to clear concussion protocol, right? Correct. Like it's a scary hit. Um, scary hit that he took. Um, but I think Algier is is where I would lean at flex this week. Facts. Uh, Terry saying that Ford had 15 attempts, I think. But yeah, he's going to get subbed in. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, the attempts are one thing, but he did. I, I didn't feel like he did enough with them for me to for me to worry about. If I'm a Chubb owner and a deep roster, maybe just to protect my guy. But I'm not. I'm not going to put him on a roster just because I can. In okay. in my opinion, he's just he's not he's not there yet. Alrighty, and then Alexander saying thanks. Um, thanks for all the advice there. Alrighty, I think that's going to take us down here to the end of it. Any final thoughts out there for 15 the 15 attempts, 36 yards, 1.6 fantasy points. It was right. volume, but it wasn't good. Yeah, when you're when you get two point, what is that? Two point four yards a carry or something like that. Yeah. Two point two yards a carry and doing doing slow math in my head over here, but um, alrighty. Well, guys, I think that's going to take us down here to the end of it. Any final thoughts out there for the viewers and listeners? Uh, again, we've said it a bunch during the show. Don't overreact, right? Enjoy the process. Minor tweaks, not raging changes. It's funny that you say the you know enjoy the process. I remember that was one thing I kept saying when I was sitting next to you on the couch during draft. Just trust your process. Just trust your process. Make your call. Make your pick. Trust your process. And you know, that 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 is absolutely some sage advice there. Alex, any final thoughts out there for the viewers and listeners? Good luck. I like it. On to week two. Uh, Kevin and I will be back on the Friday show going live 11 p.m. Eastern to hit up the uh, Fantasy Football Weekly Huddle doing the Bet Set Snap over there on the YouTube channel. You can find us, of course, on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at GoodOldBoysFF. Best place to support this channel, head over to YouTube.com slash at GoodOldBoysFF. Click that subscribe button, ring that bell. You get notified when we're dropping uh, those videos to help you out, whether it's a waiver wire, whether it's pine or shine type of uh, type of info, or um, you know when we go live for you. So make sure that you're hitting all that up. That's going to do it for us. He's Kevin. He's Alex. I'm Derek. Have a good one. Be safe to lose.